Hungry Trilobite Podcast would like to start by acknowledging these fine conventions. SoonerCon is Central Oklahoma's longest-running pop culture convention. The next event is scheduled for June 24th through 26, 2002 in Norman, Oklahoma. However, they need your help to put on the next event. Please visit SoonerCon.com to find out how you can help make SoonerCon 30 a reality. The Hellmouth Convention The Hellmouth Convention is a celebration of all pop culture, but specifically things like Buffy, Angel, Firefly, and Dr. Horrible. It is held in Los Angeles, California, and the next event is scheduled for June 3rd through 5th, 2022. Proceeds benefit the Los Angeles LGBT Center as well as the Ron Glass Memorial Scholarship Fund. For more information, go to thehellmouth.org. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. Today I'm welcoming Becca George to the show, and the chat I have with Becca is going to be the first part in a series of episodes I have on the relationship between fandom and mental health. We've talked about fandom a lot, and in those conversations I've found an amazing trend for people in this community to address their mental health issues, and so I thought it was only appropriate that we take the next step on the show. After the episode, I'm going to give more details on exactly what that's going to mean. But as far as Becca goes, I'm bringing her on now because mental health is a very serious concern, and how we address it is very important. And although I'm going to get into talking about a lot of the ways people have dealt with that through TV shows and video games and conventions, that, that's all great. But it is important that we look at how to attack these issues directly and how to get the help you need. In the United States, where I am, if somebody has a mental health issue, they are probably going to seek help from a therapist or a life coach who is affiliated with either a therapy practice or their church. And Becca is here. She has been in all those positions, and she can give you the pros and cons of what kind of help you might need. So let's start a baseline for our conversation with Becca George now. On tap today, we have Becca George. How are you doing this fine day? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I, you are the head talent behind Sure Vision Coaching. Yes, sir. And you are a, a mental health advocate yes. as well as a therapist. Yes. And... We got the talking because you are trying to relieve the stigma of, of mental health care. And that's a huge topic these days. It is. Yes, it's, a, it's definitely a huge topic because there is still a stigma. And you would think that, that by now we would be over that, right? And mm-hmm. it is still such a huge problem. It is. And it's interfering with people's lives. It's interfering with their work, with their families in ways we don't even really realize it yet. Absolutely. And especially after 2020 and 2021, um, I say uh, uh, before I had a caseload of about 80% of people were doing okay. And 20, 20% of people are struggling. And now I would say it's about the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, 80% of people are struggling and 20% are not doing well. And they still feel like they can't communicate that they're struggling with people around them because they still are afraid of what people are going to say. They're still feeling like they're struggling and they can't communicate that to their their loved ones, whether it's their spouses, even the people that are closest to them because of the stigma. And so that is where my passion comes from. 
So if we're in a situation like we've been in for the past two years, where we have multiple things externally stressing us, and we still can't talk about it, even acknowledging that everybody is in this horrible situation, everybody's feeling stresses they've never even known existed two years ago. What does that say about us? I think that it just says that people are not aware enough, right? Mm -hmm. People, people aren't aware enough. People aren't asking themselves the right questions. People aren't asking each other the, the right questions and that we're numbing ourselves with things that we shouldn't be numbing ourselves with. People come home at night and they, they want to numb themselves with Netflix. You know, they want to numb themselves with um, alcohol. They want to numb themselves with all of these things so that they don't have to face whatever the problem is. So it's like, we're not asking ourselves the right questions. We're not asking each other the right questions. And then we want to pretend that what somebody else's problem is greater than our own when really it's because we're just not looking at ourselves to ask ourselves the right question. And what are the right questions? So one question I like to ask myself is what am I feeling? And I think that that's a question that a lot of us are not asking. What am I feeling? What is the real feeling? If you really do some digging, a lot of times, I don't know if you've ever heard of primary versus secondary emotions. A lot of times we think we know what we're feeling, but there's actually a secondary and a primary emotion. So a lot of times there's really an emotion that's down deeper. So maybe you might see someone who looks like they're angry, but really that's not the real, the real emotion. Anger just may be the easier emotion for them to feel. So a lot of times men tend to go towards anger because it's a little bit easier for them but really the actual emotion might be sadness. So they don't feel comfortable being sad because society says that they shouldn't be sad, right? So really we don't ask ourselves, what am I really feeling here? So instead they just go to their go-to emotion, which is anger, or maybe their go-to emotion is numbness or their go-to emotion is um, you know, anxiety, right? So our, that question could be, how am I feeling? Or maybe the question should be, what am I avoiding? You know, that's, a, that's another question. What am I really avoiding here? Or, you know, maybe the question is like, why am I avoiding it? You know, what is so scary that I'm not willing to actually sit and think about this? I always say, follow the hurt, right? If my arm isn't broken, if there's nothing wrong with my arm and I poke on it, it's not going to hurt me. But if, if my arm's broken and I poke on it, it's going to hurt. So follow the pain. If there's some kind of pain, there's a problem, right? We just don't ask ourselves the right question. And so then we want to project that onto other people and pretend like there's not an issue because we don't want to look at ourselves. And if anybody's sitting here and they're listening to you right now and they're saying, that all sounds great. And I wish I could take part in that but they don't know what the next step is. And they're afraid you're going to say the next step is talking to somebody. What's your response then? Because they don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it would be the best thing to talk to someone, right? I mean, honestly, that is the best thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be a therapist. I mean, honestly, one of the reasons I've gotten out of therapy and gone into coaching is because I think that in a lot of times in therapy, we get stuck in the past. And so I have gone into coaching because I see people get stuck for sometimes 10, 15, 20 years in therapy. Um, And there's a place for therapy, 100%. Therapy, we go, we dive a lot more into our past um, and into past trauma. 
coaching is a lot more into future. How do we get you to where you want to go, right? Um, but you don't necessarily have to uh, go talk to someone, but you do have to learn how to ask yourself the right questions. But the thing is, you do have to surround yourself with people who support you and who also will challenge you. And that's the thing is that a lot of times we don't have those people in our lives who will do that. Because a lot of times we also have people in our lives who don't ask themselves the right questions, right? Because we just don't know how to. Um, so a lot of times we do need to find somebody who can ask those questions. So the first thing is asking ourselves, why are we so afraid of getting someone in our lives who can challenge us, right? A lot of times it is because we were raised maybe by people who didn't understand coaching or therapy, right? Like maybe you grew up in a family where they said, what happened in the house stays in the house. That's something I hear all the time. Someone will come to me and they say, you know, my parents told me that, you know, you handle your problems, you pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you go and handle life, you know, or we don't tell people what happens inside these four walls. That's our business. And of course there's, there's room for discretion. You don't have to go tell everybody your business, but you know, emotions are not weakness. It's not weakness to show emotion. It's okay to go to a safe place and get help with someone who's trained to help you. That's not weakness. That's growth, right? So the first part of that is to challenge that mindset and a lot of times, also the second part is where are we getting our advice from? A lot of times we get our advice from people who are also themselves unhealthy. So a lot of times you will, you will get advice from your parents who have unhealthy marriages on how to have a healthy marriage. You'll get advice from your mom who is ridden with anxiety on how to not be anxious, right? I'm not going to go take advice on how to have a healthy marriage from someone who's been divorced 18 times, you know? So maybe also look at who you're taking advice from and then think about why am I so nervous about getting some help in this area? That would be my first, my first challenge to that person. So I'm, I'm hearing a distinction between a therapist and a coach, and I don't understand completely what the difference is. So I'm guessing maybe somebody listening might not either. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great question. So a therapist and a coach, um, the main difference is the schooling. So I am able to do both. Um, so a therapist has to have at least a master's degree in something clinical, right? So they either have to have a master's in clinical psychology, which I do um, in a coaching field of, or in a, a counseling field of some sort, and they have to be licensed, right? So I'm a licensed mental, um, mental health, right, therapist. So they would be able to diagnose. So I'm able to diagnose um, mental health related things, right? So if someone comes to see me and they want to do therapy with me, I can diagnose them with an actual mental health diagnosis, right? So I can say, hey, you have borderline personality disorder or you have um, clinical anxiety, right? Or depression or something like that. Um, so I may give a diagnosis, I'm going to dive more into their past trauma. We're going to talk about um, more of the past-based things and how that has impeded their growth for now. Um, I'm going to create a treatment plan based on that, and it's going to be kind of um, more in-depth. Now, a coach doesn't have that same type of education or clinical background, so it's not going to be, they're not going to get any kind of diagnosis. And you're not going to, to be trauma-based. So you're not going to talk about, you know, um, any kind of major trauma that happened in your life. Um, 
and you're not going to get a diagnosis. It's not going to go through insurance. So this isn't something coaching isn't something you, you can build to your insurance. Um, and they're probably not going to have the same kind of education. However, education, we all know, isn't necessarily synonymous with intellect, right? Um, so that doesn't mean that there aren't some great coaches and that they're not amazing at what they do. It just means that um, it's not clinical, okay? So coaching is going to be based more on the future. So it's gonna be based more on how do we get you to a specific goal? Now, there's a lot of different niches, okay? So you could have a coach that specifically is a relationship coach. So maybe this relationship coach is only based on how do we get you into a healthy relationship? Maybe there's a, a coach that is only on um, narcissistic relationships. So you're healing from a narcissistic relationship. Maybe there's a coach that is only on, um, on finances. So we're just coaching you in your finances. So there's very specific, you know, niches when it comes to coaching. Um, I am a coach in the spiritual realm. So specific to Christianity. So I really love to help people to find their purpose inside of the Christian world. So I love working. I work with both men and women, but I specifically love to work with women. Um, but I work with both just helping people to find their purpose and their calling and who God made them to be. And I also really love kind of incorporating the mental health world into the church. So helping, um, you know, the, the church to realize and to, to drop the stigma that has been around mental health, right? So coaching is much more about how do we get you to your optimal self? So it's gonna be a lot typically shorter. So when you work with me as a coach, I'm gonna work with you for usually three to six months. Whereas as a therapist, because you're working with a lot more deeply rooted things, we're gonna do probably at least a year together. So I hope that gives you a little bit more clarity as far as the difference. It does. And, and from what I'm hearing, if I'm somebody who hesitates to go to a therapist because I'm just very uncomfortable with the idea of somebody sitting me on a couch and forcing me to talk about possibly yeah. the worst moments of my life in excruciating detail, a coach might be a better alternative for me personally, because I'm going to be able to at least start that conversation knowing that I don't have to touch those things if I don't want to. Yes, you're probably not going to have to dig into your daddy issues. You're not going to have to dig into any kind of major abuse, right? You're not going to, in fact, you probably should not, unless they're trained in that, you should not have to, to do that. Um, it's just going to be, here's where you are and here's where you want to be. Because the issue is so many people can stand there and say, you know, I want to be here. You know, you can create a vision board until you're blue in the face, but if you don't know how to get there, People just feel stagnant, right? That's why the average person quits their New Year's resolutions by January 17th, because they don't know how to get to where they want to be. And so that's where a coach comes in is, hey, let's make these, these pieces more tangible and more um, able to, to be done so that you feel like you have the accountability, you have the clarity, and you have the confidence to be able to get those things done. So you know exactly what you're doing and how to do it. And you have somebody to come alongside of you to not only give you the confidence, but also the actual tangible tools to be able to get that done. And then someone that can check in with you. And then let's say maybe a little bit less often. So what I tend to do is I meet with them weekly and then every two weeks and then once a month. And then I'll do a six month checkups with people to say, hey, is this something you still need? Is there other areas in your life 
where we need to be meeting um, so that people still feel like, hey, I'm still getting this value, you know, to make sure that I know where I'm going. Because if there's no vision, you are not going to be able to get where you want to go. And it's so easy to become complacent. But yes, that is, it's 100% much easier as far as like, you know, to kind of dip your toe in the water to where you want to go than to kind of lay yourself on a couch and tell yourself, you know, tell those deepest, darkest secrets versus therapy. Let me talk about my audience for a minute here, because I, I think that that's kind of important to, to know who's possibly listening. Um, I've got audience members who I know I've spoke to, and, and I know they identify as Christian. And I have some who specifically do not have a faith system whatsoever. And some have faith systems that aren't part of Christianity in any way, shape, or form. So I have a, a spectrum that I know are listening to. And, and some might be skeptical of the, the description you have of the, the church's approach toward mental health. Some just might not have a frame of reference. So why do you consider this to be a topic that you want to focus on? Yeah, for sure. So I think that, um, I mean, I do work with, with individuals who have no faith system at all. And that's one thing that I actually pride myself on is not being one of those Christians who shoves my belief system down other people's throats. Cause I've been there and I've heard that. And I know that that's a hurtful and frustrating thing. Um, and I actually have worked with people before for, uh, up to a year and had people say things like, I didn't even know, you know, that, that, that was your faith system. Um, not because I don't live it out, but because I believe that if I'm working with you in a professional system, you know, in a professional way, it's not my job to force you to believe anything. It's my job to help you get clarity on your, um, on your goals. Right. And so if that's not your belief system, I'm not going to force that to you. Um, however, I am a Christian. And so that is my, my belief system. And so that's important to me. And so I, um, I have seen the church treat people in a negative way because of their mental health. And I think it's because of the, the, the lack of understanding. Um, and so that is why I'm passionate about it. And so when I was, you know, I've grown up in the church and I've seen their attitude, not all churches, but I've seen some churches where they believe that um, if you are a Christian, you can kind of pray away anxiety and depression. Um, and again, not all churches, I've just kind of seen this belief system in some churches where, you know, if you just pray hard enough, and you just believe enough that, you know, maybe it'll go away. And I've also worked with a lot of Christian believers who believe that um, something's wrong with them if they still have anxiety and depression after they believe. And it breaks my heart to see people believe that there's something wrong with them because they still have this and they're still experiencing this. And it actually keeps them from believing or it keeps them from going to church or it keeps them from having a community of believers because they think they're being ostracized or they are being ostracized because they are still struggling in this way. And so it just breaks my heart. And so I want to advocate for other people who may not be strong enough to stand up and say, no, this is actually a chemical thing, right? Or this is actually something that is happening physiologically. This might be something that we need to have talk therapy for or coaching for, or this could be something we need um, to have medication for, or a mixture of all of these things to make sure that we are our optimal self. Um, and so I just want to kind of advocate in that way so that people have a better understanding and so that the church can be what the church is called to be. So that is where my passion comes in that way. And that, so you're, you're really seeing yourself as, as freeing people to take care of themselves when they might not see a path forward. Absolutely. And so that people can then 
can then come forward and say, this has been a struggle that I've had and not feel like there's something wrong with them or feel like they're not Christian enough or feel like they're not praying hard enough. Cause I've seen so many people feel that way. There must be something wrong with me or God's not hearing my prayers or, um, or other people who say, I don't feel like I can even become a Christian because I've heard that, you know, if you're a Christian, then you're not supposed to have anxiety or depression or sadness or, or lack of clarity. Right. Um, I must not hear from God or those types of things. And that's just not true. And so I kind of want to be that advocate or that voice who says, Hey, I am clinically trained. I know what I'm talking about. And so I can come forward and say, you know, not only am I clinically trained, but I also have, you know, degrees in divinity. So I understand the Bible and I know what it says to be true. And so I know that this is not accurate. And so I want to show empathy to these people as well and tell them that there's nothing wrong with you. And it's okay to have these struggles and to go talk to someone and to find what you need. And so that's kind of where that passion comes from. The message I'd always heard when somebody talks about, you know, can you just pray it away? Can you, are you praying hard enough? Say, they would say, well, God doesn't help anybody who doesn't help themselves. I've and that that's, well. uh, do you believe, think that's a, a good line? Is that a good way to look at things? I mean, I believe that God gives us tools here on earth, you know, to, to utilize for sure. And I think that um, it's important to seek those things out. But I also think that when you're in a place of depression and anxiety, it's hard to, to find those things. And I think it's hard sometimes to dis discern what is true and what isn't. Um, and so that's where it's important to find a voice that can help you. And that's why I want to be that voice. Because if you are in a church that is telling you, I've heard churches that say medicine are bad, is bad. You know, I've heard churches that say you should not be on antidepressants. And I just think that's ridiculous. Um, I just think that like there is a time and a place for antidepressants. You know, if that's what you need and that is going to help save your life, then do that. I've also heard churches who have said, you know, that therapy is not needed. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. You know, and that's, I've heard and yeah. it's, crazy. And then I've also like churches don't really believe in, there's a lot of churches that don't believe in coaching. You know, they just believe in completely like mentorship and those types of things. And I think that coaching and mentorship are similar. Um, and you know, so there's just all kinds of things that just blow my mind. And I think that, um, you know, you just have to be careful what voices you're listening to, but I think that there, there's nothing wrong with getting help when you need it. And that's kind of where I want my voice to, to be heard. Speaking of voices you're listening to, I'm, I'm thinking of, again, my audience, and again, I have a huge range of people that, that listen to this, and I know again, a lot of them are come from the fans of, they're fans of science fiction, they're fans of gaming, they're fans of all sorts of genre fiction, which is broad in and of itself, but I've noticed a trend in that they're all very open about saying, I suffer from depression. I have PTSD. I have gender identity issues that I need help with. And I, I notice a courage in them that they really want to say, this is a problem and I need help. And I, I respect that. I think that's admirable. I'm just wondering if, if you could kind of, what, what makes for a background where you're comfortable saying these things? Where do these people find this that maybe the, the church examples you're thinking of are making it difficult? Honestly, I've actually, I've seen that in that community, in the gaming community, in, um, you know, the LGBTQ community. I've seen that in the theater community. I've seen that in several communities that have come together to say, like, let's find this place of, um, 
of communities to back one another. And it makes me so angry that the church is not that community for people. And that's one of the reasons that I want to be a trailblazer for this. Um, and I don't know why it's been so divisive in the church. Um, I, I really don't know. I don't know how. I think I think it takes people to rise up and be um, that voice to, to come together and to be the people that we're supposed to be. So I really don't know how that happens other than just enough people coming together and finally saying, yes, this is how it's supposed to be. Um, and I think that, that, you know, we have to recognize that there has to be a balance, right? Like, because we don't want everyone just zombified out on medication. You know, we don't want everyone just, um, you know, you don't want to be on in therapy forever where you're just kind of like, completely coddled by a therapist forever, which is one of the reasons I left therapy because I did see people stuck forever. So I think it's just <clears throat> finding your community that will support you and finding a balance. And that's one of the reasons that I speak on balance, you know, is to say that, hey, you don't, you don't want to go too far the other way either. And so finding those people that will challenge you and push you and not coddle you, because I think the world in, has gone too far the other way where it's like, okay, let's coddle you for too long as well. And so it's really hard to find that balance of, um, we want you to be safe and find what works for you and find a safe place to ad admit that you need help, you know, find that perfect cocktail of what works for you with between, you know, church and prayer and, you know, medication and talk therapy and coaching and all of these things, but also pushing you towards greatness and betterness and, goals and leveling up and making sure you're not complacent. Um, and then also listening to, you know, if you are a Christian listening to, you know, what you believe to be important, and then also challenging yourself and having other people around you challenge you looking at your circle and saying, do the people around me challenge me? And then do they also love me and support me? But I honestly don't know how, um, how the church steps up to do that. But as far as how to find that group, I think you just look around and ask yourself, am I in that supportive and challenging area? And if not, then, you know, trying to find that by looking at what hobbies you're in, what, what interests you, what you get excited and passionate about, because I don't think that your passions are um, by accident. I think the things you're passionate about were placed inside of you for a reason. And I think that those are the things you're supposed to pursue with vigor, right? And so it's like, okay, what can I be passionate about so I can help other people and so that I can surround myself with other people that are like-minded and are also excited about these things. And maybe those will be my, my people and my tribe. A tribe is, it's the word of the day in some cases. I'm, I'm seeing that, especially when it comes to online tribes. It's the word. Yes. It's the buzzword. And there are so many people who have said something to the effect of, I don't have the support I need with the people I know face to face, but I get that support from the tribe I have on my social media feed or on this forum or in my gaming group. Yes. And I, I'm glad they find that. I think it's great that they, they, those people are there and they know they're not alone in the world, but is there a weakness in not having those people face-to-face -face that they can see what's going on in your life is is this a good thing a bad thing honestly I think it's just so it's so prevalent right now because there are a lot of people who are trying to grow and um they just don't a lot of people don't feel supported 
but I think they also don't know how to communicate what they need. And so that's one of the things that I teach in coaching is how do we communicate what we need, right? How do we communicate how to be supported? Because we can't read each other's minds. And a lot of times we think that that person not liking our posts is them not supporting us, but maybe they just didn't see the post, right? Maybe they just, you know, they're, everyone is egocentric in some way. We, we go about our day thinking about ourselves. So maybe we give a speech and we think every person in the room is thinking how stupid we look, but probably they're thinking how stupid they look about whatever, right? And so because we are living our life, we think of it through our lens. And so the person probably thinks no one's supporting me because they aren't buying from me and they're not coming to my page and they're not doing these things, but maybe we haven't expressed, hey, this is what I need and this is how I need it. So one of the things that I um, teach and coach is how to communicate your needs to those around you so that you can understand or so that they can understand what it is that you need from them so that you can also then clarify, are they actually not giving me what I need? Am I not in a reciprocal relationship or is this just my perception? And then also ask yourself, am I giving them what they need? Because a lot of us aren't the friends that we want to have, right? We don't reach out to them. We don't like all their stuff. We don't comment on their posts all the time. We don't ask them how they're doing, right? So are you the friend that you want them to be and the other way around? But yes, we absolutely cannot completely rely on online friends. We need, um, we're meant for connection. We're meant for community. We're not supposed to do this life alone. There absolutely are introverts, extroverts, amniverts, right? Like there are all of those things, um, but we are supposed to be in connection with people. And so we have to be intentional to have that um, connectivity with people. But um, I do think we also have to have it in person as well. And it's good that we have that tribe online and that's great, but we also need to, even if it's just one or two people, we have to find those people in person that we connect with and we feel supported with, but there has to be that communication. It's key. So right now I'm hearing the coach and you saying, if you are getting your support from somewhere, that's a good thing, but that can't be your end goal. That can't be the last thing that you rely on. Absolutely. And if that's where you're getting it, then ask yourself, what is lacking in my relationships? And the only place you can start is with yourself because you cannot control other people. You cannot control what they do. You cannot control how they respond to you. You cannot control what kind of friend they are, but you can control yourself. So start looking at when was the last time I reached out to people? Am I the kind of friend that I want to be to them? You know, choose two or three friends and say, how can I be a better friend to them? Even if they don't reciprocate. Take 60 days and be the best friend that you can be to them. Be the very best friend that you can be and just see how that, how that works. Hey, I'm just thinking of you praying for you today. Or, Hey, just want to see how you're doing. Was thinking of you. That picture of you and your son at the pumpkin patch was absolutely adorable, you know, or, Hey, I just want to catch up and have lunch. And even if they don't respond, hit them again in a few days, you know, Hey, throwback Thursday to when we went to the beach that one day and send a picture, you know, drop them off a a care package for Thanksgiving or something, you know, like whatever, do something, drop them off a little present for Christmas, send them a Christmas card, like do something that is showing them multiple times. Hey, I'm making an effort to show you that I am trying to be this friend that you may or may not be to me, but that's not, I cannot control that <clears throat> because a lot of times we expect other people to be that friend, but I'm not trying to be that friend. And then I want to throw a pity party for myself in the corner because no one supports me. 
right? And that's the difference too between coaching and therapy is with coaching, I can be a little bit more real to say like, hey, I'm not, I'm not trying to hold your feelings as much as like, I'm trying to push you towards greatness. I want to make you the best version of yourself, which is a little bit harsher than therapy. So if we're, somebody's listening to you right now, they might like what they're hearing, or they might at the very least think this sounds like it could be helpful. This sounds like somebody could benefit from this. Maybe they're going to want to talk to you a little bit more. Um, Where could they find you? Yeah. So social media is the best way to find me. Um, My personal Facebook page is usually where I'm the most um, active, which is Becca George. So that's B-E-K-A-H George. G-E-O-R-G-E. So you can find me on there. Um, add me, send me a message. Uh, also on Instagram, that's at Sheer Vision Coaching. So that's S-H-E-A-R Vision Coaching. And then you can also send me an email, which is um, Becca, B-E-K-A-H at SheerVisionCoaching.com. So any of those ways you can um, get in touch with me. And I will put all that in the show notes on my website, aaronbossig.com, give a direct path right to you. Um, now, maybe somebody wants to just reach out to you, ask a question, just get some clarification. That's perfectly fine. Absolutely. Yeah. I love, and, I love making connections and talking to people. And maybe they'd want some coaching information and geography is not a factor. They can have your coaching services from anywhere in the world. Do everything online. Awesome. Awesome. And this kind of situation we're all in, that's beneficial for everybody. Absolutely. Becca, thank you so much for being here. I would love to have you back anytime. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. I would like to thank Becca for being my guest today. And I would like to thank you for listening. Let's talk more about this project I've mentioned. This is going to be a conversation I call Fans for Healing, which shows how being in a fandom affects our ability in a positive way to seek better mental health. I call it Fans for Healing, and I'm tracking it on social media with the hashtag fans and the number four healing. As I said, this will be the first part in a series of episodes about this, and I don't have a specific number of episodes in mind. I plan for this to be an ongoing topic. That said, this will not be every episode. It will not even necessarily be the next several episodes. I'm going to mix in other topics, as I always have. Hungry Trilobite is not specifically about only one aspect of fandom. It's not only about Star Trek. It's not only about video games. It's not only about nerd history. I try to mix in these topics because they're all interrelated. So when I have a good Fans for Healing episode, I'm going to throw it up there with the hashtag. And if you're looking for that, please search for it. If that's not the conversation you want to have, just know that the next episode or the one after that will probably be on the topic that you're more looking for. I have several guests lined up after this that are going to bring in a more fandom-centric conversation when it comes to how people have tackled mental health issues, and I hope we keep track of that. If you have a story about handling mental health through your fandom, whether that fandom is Star Trek, gaming, MST3K, whatever the case may be, please reach out to me at bossigpodcast.yahoo.com or 
check me on Twitter at Aaron Bossig. You can check all, all the other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, and we are syndicated on Realm of the Mist, a fantastic podcast network. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.